All right. Good morning, everyone. We are in yet another week of our series on biblical counseling issues. And this morning, Sunday School, as I already mentioned, is on forgiveness. Um, And I want to say up front, too, that today's lesson is my adaptation from some CCEF material and some, I think, NAIC material. Um, I also use this... uh, this booklet right here. This was helpful. So we'll, I'll draw from this a little bit as well. So this morning, we're going to talk about both what forgiveness is not and what forgiveness is. And we're going to close looking at some practical suggestions for how to walk in forgiveness. And this is, this is important because as we can all testify, as long as we're alive, we will both sin against others, unfortunately, and be sinned against. This means each week, I, I, I feel this with my family, each week we should have plenty of opportunities to ask for or extend forgiveness to one another. We must be in the habit of practicing forgiveness in our relationships. Yet, I think, unfortunately, words like, I was wrong to blank. Will you forgive me? And words like, yes, being forgiven. We are forgiving out of a secure position as God's children. So next, I want to, before we go into more of what forgiveness is, it's really important that we talk about what forgiveness is not. Because I think there's a lot of cliches about forgiveness, easy ways to think about forgiveness that are, are not right and are not helpful. So looking at the... Uh, number one on your notes, we're going to talk about these. So first, it's important to know that forgiveness is not denying you were hurt. It is not denying that you were hurt. If you need to forgive someone, it probably means you were hurt. It is not helpful to try to deny this. You're going to need to bear that pain. That's That's part of what forgiveness is. It's bearing that pain rather than responding and trying to get that the other person back. This is a difficult thing. This is one of Jesus's hard teachings because it's it's much easier to try to seek vengeance of some sort. It's a death to self, and yet we're called to follow Christ in this way. So, it's not denying we were hurt. It's also It's not forgetting or pushing painful experiences out of our minds. Forgive and forget is not the best way to think about forgiveness. It does not honor the way God has created us to have memories, for one. Forgetting would also even rob us of the opportunity to grow and cling to Christ through whatever whatever situation of being sinned against happens. Next, we want to realize that it's not turning a blind eye to sin. Forgiveness, our, our call to forgive others does not mean sin is a trite matter. Matthew eighteen fifteen says, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. And then Matthew 18 goes on to talk talk more about church discipline and what that looks like. And so we're not told to ignore sin here. Seeking to forgive is also not in opposition to humble and loving 
confrontation. And I also want to point out that Jesus is, we're, we're going to look at the parable of the unforgiving servant in a second, but even that quintessential teaching on forgiveness is again in the context of Jesus taking sin seriously. He talks about, um, he says, woe to the, um, he says, it is better to for you to enter life with one eye than with two than with two eyes to be thrown into the hell of fire. He says in verse seven, woe to the world for temptations to sin, for it is necessary that temptations come, but woe to the one by whom the temptation comes. So all throughout Jesus, it's he's taking sin is taken seriously. Forgiveness is also not just us drumming up in emotion or a feeling. We cannot we cannot just drum up feelings of peace when we're sinned against. I wish I wish that were true, but we can't just in and of ourselves make ourselves feel okay when we're when we're hurt. That is also not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is also not just asking God to forgive you for being angry with the person who offended you. I think this is a way that we can subtly try to get out of our call to forgive. I think it's, it's been easy for me in the past to, to just focus on, okay, Lord, forgive me for my anger and bitterness towards this person, but it, it, it can possibly allow me to sidestep actually dealing with that anger and bitterness. So we want to be careful to not just wallow in anger and be like, God, forgive me for this, but to to address our anger, but also try to get at the root and not be content to just continue to have rage or be triggered every time someone's name comes up. Related to that, forgiveness is not just asking God to pardon the person who hurt you. This is not to say we shouldn't do that. I think of Stephen when he was being stoned. He cried out to God that he would have mercy on the very people who were throwing rocks at him. And, and that's, that's a beautiful thing, but forgiveness is also more than that. And I also think it gets complicated because a lot of times in interpersonal relationships, there could be a charge of sin uh, or someone feels like they were wronged, but that doesn't always mean that they were wrong. So things get complicated there. And I think that sometimes when, when we're just sometimes even asking God to forgive the person who hurt us can, can be kind of a manifestation of pride in that we're assuming in our very prayer that they are the guilty party. They're the ones who are guilty and they need our, our righteous intercession. Um, and so we, we want to be careful there too. We can, we can deceive ourselves even in that. Um, just two more here. There's Wow, there's a lot on what forgiveness is not. Um, but next, forgiveness is not justifying or understanding why your offender acted toward you as he or she did. I think that this, this can actually... I, I've, I've been here before where I'm just... It's like I, I can't stop thinking about like, how could they do that? Like, what were they thinking? And this is obviously not forgiveness it's also not helpful 
Because I think what we're doing is trying to escape the pain of being sinned against rather than just accepting, okay, I was sinned against, this, this sucks, and crying out to God, similar to the psalmist does in so many of the psalms of lament. He didn't dodge the fact that his persecutors were, were you know, chasing him, attacking him, whatever it may be. But I think when we just try to, like, how could they do this to me? We're, we are trying to escape dealing with that pain, bringing that pain to our Father. And it's also actually quite simple. The reason someone sins against us is because they're fallen just like us. And that's, that's another really important thing to remember is that we are not above committing any sin that is committed against us. And we're going to talk about that more later, but that when we really have that heart attitude, forgiveness becomes much, much easier. So finally, forgiveness is not just peace at all costs. I think some people stumble at the idea of forgiveness because they think that in being asked to forgive, they're being asked to just foolishly put themselves in harm's way or put themselves in a vulnerable position. But this is also not true. It's, you know, think of the extreme example of child abuse. Forgiveness would not demand a wife and a child to continue to live with a man who's abusing them. They have to remove themselves from harm's way. So the Bible never tells us to make it easy for people to sin against us. We're often called to godly confrontation, which is actually the ultimately loving thing to do. So forgiveness is not opposed to, again, confrontation. It's not opposed to removing yourself from harm's way. Removing your, like, it's not opposed to making it easy for people to hurt you or sin against you. All right, now that we've gotten rid of all of what forgiveness is not, gotten that out of the way, let's talk about what forgiveness is. And we're going to mainly look at Matthew chapter 18. Go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 18. And if I could get a volunteer to read verses 21 through 35 nice and loudly, that would be great. Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 35. Who would like to read? Thank you, Will. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him ten thousand pounds. Since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had for payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me, I will pay everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. 
so his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, I will pay you. He refused, and went and put him in prison until he could pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in his anger, in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Mm. Thank you. So what, before I continue, what I want to hear, hear from y'all. What are some things that we learn about forgiveness from this passage? What do we learn about forgiveness? It's similar to Ephesians 4. The, um, the forgiveness here is uh, it's rooted in something outside of ourselves. So there's a point here to think back to uh, our being forgiven. Mm. And then it's also saying something being forgiven, like what that means for our willingness, um, our fruit of forgiveness, mm. to show others. There's a connection there too. Mm. Yeah, are you saying the connection between his massive debt being forgiven and then how he turns around? Right. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. He, it's not that he just said you're forgiven and then, okay, he doesn't have to pay back money or whatever. But yeah. someone had to bear the pain of whatever the guy did. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Yeah, the, the man owed apparently the equivalent of 200,000 years of wages. Let that sink in. The, the debt that was canceled in this parable was the equivalent of 200,000 years of wages. That is insane. And to your point, um, it, you know, in this parable, the, the king, he did not magically have all that money appear in his bank account because he forgave the man. He did have to absorb that cost. And it's, it's ultimately... You know, we see we see that in the gospel in Christ bearing the weight of our sins. God God can't just like wink at sin and act as if it's not there, but we are forgiven because in his great mercy he sent Christ to bear the weight of our sin. So yeah, that was really good, Anna. A- anything else? What else what else do we learn about forgiveness from this? Yeah. One of the things that I noticed about forgiveness is the person asking for forgiveness has to humble themselves. Mm-hmm. And the person giving the forgiveness has to humble themselves. Mm-hmm. They have to be humble. And if you go back to the context, as he's talking about who's the greatest, 
it's a child who's humble. Mm. You know, so both the forgiver and the the one asking forgiveness has to humble themselves mm. because Absolutely. pride will not allow either transaction to take place. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. I think that's so true because, you know, for the person doing the forgiving, it really does require humility because I think part of the root cause of why we don't forgive is pride. We don't forgive because we fundamentally see ourselves as more righteous than the other person. It's so easy to do. I'm guilty of it um, at times. It's, but, yeah, it, it, for, extending forgiveness absolutely requires humility. Yeah. Yes. a wake-up call because it shows me my like hypocrisy that I could be forgiven so infinitely and then hold on to you know it, it may be significant sin but it still is nothing and I'm still no better than the person who hurt me um, I mean the you know in, in the parable the the fellow servant owed the man a hundred denarii which is Apparently that's equal to maybe 20 weeks wages. Also heard 20 days. I don't know which it is. But, you know, that's, that's not nothing. There's still a cost to absorb. There's still a cost for us to absorb when we're hurt. Um, and yet it still, of course, pales in comparison to, to the amount we've been forgiven. Yeah, yeah, there's. Arthur said, I heard some, some years ago, he said that true forgiveness doesn't bring the offense back up to the person. Remember mm. what you did that time ago? Yeah. It doesn't bring uh, the offense back up to the person. It doesn't bring up the offense to other people. It would yeah. slanderous uh, mm. way, and it doesn't bring the offense back up on one's own part. So you're rehearsing over and over. Mm. So yeah. that was a good definition. All of those can be difficult, but I think the one that's probably most difficult for us is in our own hearts, bringing mm. it back up in our own hearts and reversing it. That this, that, you know, so, mm. Yeah, thank you. Reading my notes, Des? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was really good. Thank you. Yeah, anything else? I think yeah. part of the reason why some people struggle and bring things up is because they don't really feel like the person truly apologized yeah that's true yeah um, and so when it's just like uh, I'm sorry because my you know my kid does that yeah <laughs> and I'm like always like you have to say what you're sorry for yeah <laughs> and then that's when she struggles right yeah you know, I'm sorry for lying you have to say why it was wrong yeah the Bible says it was wrong yeah <laughs> right and you have to try to make a commitment for the future mm. 
try to. And I'm like, you know, until you get like those steps, you just don't feel like it's like wrapped up with a bow. Yeah. You just feel like it's, you know, you're hanging. You don't feel made, you know, not that you're ever going to be made whole because you're absorbing a debt, but you know, you just, you just feel like, are they really sorry? So. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, we're going to hopefully touch touch on just kind of that whole tension later of, yeah, often it's hard to achieve what feels like resolution and reconciliation because the person may not even understand that they sinned at all. Or even if they kind of get it, probably usually doesn't feel up to snuff for us. And so that, that's difficult, and we'll hopefully address that a little bit more. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Anything else? Yeah, Harrison. Uh, so one thing to remember is um, Psalm 130, verse 3. It says, If you, O Lord, should mark iniquity, you would stand. Mm. It's, it's, it's keeping that in mind. Mm. Yeah. That's really helpful. You said Psalm 130, verse 3? Okay, yeah, that's so helpful. Yeah, and I also thought of the quote to help us not, not wallow in our sin. For every one look, or yeah, for every one look at your sin, take 10 looks to your Savior. So important. And yet, like, it is important, though, to also be aware of our sin because that's how we can be aware of how vast God's grace and forgiveness is. And to your point, I mean, I think Jesus, part of the point of that uh, parable that you brought up is that those who are, the, the people who are most forgiving or the people who are most loving are those who understand, who, who know and grasp how much they are forgiven and how much they are loved in Christ. 
And so it's very, yeah, it's it's easy to miss when it's like, oh well, I don't, you know, I don't uh, I don't kill anyone or I don't I don't get drunk like my high school friends or whatever. But it's like that is that's so superficial, and and our sin is our sin against our holy and good Creator and God is is um, is much deeper than that. So yeah, that's really good. Any any uh, we have time for one more thought. Any final thought on the passage of what it teaches us about forgiveness? All right. Oh, 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 oh. You got something? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. No, I'm right there with you. And we're going to talk about that in a second. That forgiveness, it's, it's not just an event. It's not just, okay, I forgive you and... We're good. It's also a process. We have to choose to forgive, but then we're going to have to walk in that forgiveness. And, and even, you know, kind of daily make choices in line with that, such as not dwelling on what they've done. All right, really good. So we're going we're gonna to move on. Let's talk more about what forgiveness is. Everything y'all said was really helpful. Um, we need to also understand that forgiveness is a commandment. It's a commandment. It's not just a suggestion, of course. Christ assumes that forgiveness will characterize the life of his followers because they've been forgiven infinitely more than they could ever have to bear at the hands of a fellow sinner. I think it's, it's crazy that when Christ taught his disciples to pray in the Lord's Prayer, forgiveness gets a nod. It, it's assumed that you know we're commanded to pray that God will forgive us for our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. So again, that assumption is there. And I think that the sobering truth is that complete and persistent refusal to forgive ultimately reveals a heart that does not know the grace of God. And of course, unforgiveness, which actually I realized unforgiveness is apparently not a real word. Did you guys know that? <laughs> Unforgiveness is not a word, apparently. It's underlined in red, and I looked it up, and it's like, oh, that's, you know, people use that, but it's not a real word in dictionaries. But I'm going to use it because it's easier than failure to forgive. I don't want to say that every time. So we'll, say, we'll still use unforgiveness. Um, but anyway, unforgiveness and bitterness destroy hearts and relationships. You guys have probably heard this phrase. Um, Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and... Does anyone know how it ends? That's right. Yeah, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. It's psycho. (laughs) So, unforgiveness... Or, forgiveness is also canceling the debt and expecting nothing in return. Canceling the debt and expecting nothing in return. Again, like Anna mentioned, when the king canceled the debt, 
that meant he was actually canceling it. He was a, he is not like, oh, you're forgiven, but also you can pay me back slowly. Or, you know, you're forgiven, but still give me like 10%. That, that's not complete free forgiveness. And so I also think of the funny example of, well, not so funny if this happened, but if, if I let a friend borrow my car and they wrecked it, of course someone's going to have to pay for it. My forgiveness of them would not give me a brand new car. Either me or that person would have to absorb that payment. And so I want to point out also, though, that we can fail to cancel someone's debt in more subtle ways, too. So imagine a scenario where you've been hurt, um, you've been sinned against, they've apologized. You've said that you've forgiven them, but now in the relationship, you're, you're withdrawing a little bit of affection. You know, you would have used to reach out to them a lot more and invite them to come to things. But now you're like, you're withdrawing some affection. And deep down, I think that's often because we're hoping that they'll see that we're pulling back and that they will be hurt by that or that they will, that will make them realize how much they've hurt us and how wrong they were. That's tempting, but it's not, that's not forgiveness. That's a subtle way of us not actually canceling their debt. So we need to be aware of that tendency um, because it's easy to assure ourselves that we are walking in forgiveness just because we're not openly hostile. But even a, a withdrawing of, of love and affection very subtly, that is, that is also a way that we try to make, make people pay. Can anyone else think of other ways you know, maybe similar to that example, or, or what are other ways that we might be be able to deceive ourselves in the area of forgiveness? Can anyone think of any other any other ways that we may? Yeah, maybe we, we think, okay, I'm I'm forgiving, but we're just like that we could deceive ourselves. Does that make sense? Cancel the debt out of pride. Mm, that's a good point. Could you elaborate on that a little bit? Well, just, you know, like, you forgive them, but then it just kind of puffs up your own ego and righteousness. Mm. So. That's really, wow. Yeah, that's a really good point. Man. Yeah. Yeah, piggybacking off of that forgiveness so that we would be thought well of, so mm. we more about how people do you than we do about actually yeah. forgiving and having reconciliation with them because we know the size of that. Also think about forgiveness that because on the other side of that you want something. Uh, mm. You know, let's say we, we plan to take our kids to a park or something. You know, we say, well, if you don't forget, we're not going to the park. So okay, I forget you. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. The, the forgiveness is just sort of it leads to this end of uh, something mm. else that just that it, it still has you at the center of it. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Thank you both. That's really helpful. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's so true. Like, you know, I, I can picture myself being hurt and then part, yeah, part of my motive for forgiving could very easily be like, oh, I want people to see that and be like, wow, 
Andrew is such a righteous sufferer. <laughs> you know? So yeah, that's so true. Good. Any anyone else? Oh, yes. address that you know some people I guess use different talk about this in different ways use different terms but the the way I would make a distinction is that there's a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation and so I think that obviously it's not always possible or even wise for us to be able to achieve complete reconciliation this side of heaven when I say wise I mean like you know it's not wise to I don't know, go hang out with someone who just beat up your kid. But anyway, um, it's not always possible, Um, especially if the person is unwilling or unable to recognize their sin. That's going to put a big – that's going to hamper reconciliation to say the least. So what, what we do need to be careful about though is that you know, we can recognize that, that, you know, it's not like if somebody, like, betrays your trust that you can be best buddies again right away. You still, uh, if, if you were ever to get back to that point, there would need to be um, trust built back up, which would involve them recognizing their sin. So that that's true, but that doesn't mean that we're not called to forgive them from our hearts. And it doesn't mean... Um, it means that we just need to be really careful to thread the needle between showing true forgiveness and maybe sometimes needing to withdraw from relationship. But just making sure that we're withdrawing from relationship not out of bitterness or unforgiveness, but that it's truly out of, like, um, yeah, wisdom. Um, so that that's difficult. That's Does that make sense, what I'm saying, threading the needle between those things? Okay. Yeah. Mm. But apparently was the case. 
Yeah, totally. Moving on, um, C, under number two, forgiveness is a choice and an act of the will. So this means that failure to forgive is not just passive. It's, it's active. It's an active choice to not forgive. And it's also humbling to realize that when we don't forgive, we actually go from being victims to victimizers in our unforgiveness. And then next, forgiveness is, as we already alluded to, it's both an event and a process. And so obviously, we need to take so seriously, we take seriously what the Bible teaches about unforgiveness, but let us also remember that forgiveness is not necessarily just a one-and-done momentary act, especially in cases of great sin and betrayal. Forgiveness is a process involving multiple events of choosing to forgive. You're choosing, for example, not to dwell on the person's sin each time it comes to mind. So it is an event in the sense of we, we say, I forgive you, we choose to forgive them, but it's also a process because you're having to continue to walk in forgiveness as the various temptations to hold on to bitterness or talk about them or whatever come up. So this is important because when we don't understand this point, it's it can easily lead to despair, fear, discouragement. You fear that you must not have truly forgiven someone since your decision to forgive did not immediately get rid of all the hurt, the lack of trust, or even the anger you have towards the person. Has anyone I've, – I've definitely – had this fear or I've felt this before has anyone else ever felt this is a show of hands if you're willing okay so yeah you guys have felt that that's cool I'm not the only one um yeah it's it's scary but that's why it's important to realize that forgiveness is a process as well that should encourage us that when we face those feelings um, it should encourage us to run to God to depend on him to help us fight against our bitterness um, and so it should drive us to him for his cleansing and his, his strength and it should make us vigilant to watch out for the snare of um, pride and, and uh, the snare of like gossip about someone who's hurt us or dwelling on their sin reliving it time and time again so if you've, if you've been worried like I have that your struggles to forgive could mean that you just don't get forgiveness at all you're not a christian i think this is you know i want you to take heart here because there is a big difference this is this is the difference there's a big difference between unrepentant living in unforgiveness and a weak and faltering pursuit of walking in forgiveness and repentance so in other words don't confuse imperfectly walking in forgiveness or struggling and fighting to forgive with an absolute refusal to forgive, like the unmerciful servant in the parable. Any any questions or thoughts before we move on with related to that point? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. There's a, there's a world of internal thought processes that go on. So, yeah. But this is not the only case, too. There are cases when someone is still living, but you just maybe don't know how to deal with it, or yeah. you don't know exactly what to do, Yeah. you're still struggling. So, I don't know, I just really liked your distinction between, you know, living in unrepentant, I am never forgiving that person, versus I am trying to forgive that person, and I'm trying to be thankful to the Lord. Mm. Mm. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Mm. Yeah. There was a thing that the Lord taught me years ago uh, about my upbringing that I need to forgive my parents not only for what they did, but for the consequences I live with day by day. And mm. that helped yeah. me a lot. Yeah. To constantly say, okay, this is a consequence of what they did. And I need to forgive the consequences as well as the original acts. Mm, and yeah. that helped me a lot. Yeah. Good. Yeah, thank you guys. All right, we're going to move on. Um, I'm going to skip the last point because I really want to get to this uh, final passage. Uh, y'all can go ahead right now and turn to Luke 18. Um, we're going to talk now real quick about some practical steps towards forgiving others. Um, so first kind of a summary of what we've already talked about. Remember what forgiveness is and isn't. Um, Next, we're going to talk a little bit about how we need to ask God to forgive us for our bitterness toward our offenders. Um, And so we're about to read Luke 18, 9 through 14. Um, Part of the point I'm trying to make here is that we need to deal with our own sin, um, even when we've been sinned against. And we can do this whether or not the person shows remorse. Um, wrong, wrong done to us never, of course, justifies wrong done in response. And Tim Lane, again, he says in this, in this booklet, you cannot use the offender's failure to seek forgiveness as an excuse to hold on to anger and hurt. Um, so, yeah, part of the forgiveness process is asking God to forgive us for our bitterness. Um, and <clears throat> this is, okay, so let's read... Before I go on, let's read Luke 18, 9 through 14. Who would be able to read those verses? Thank you, Kareem. wrong with the Pharisees' prayer? Comparison. Yeah. He was comparing himself to he was like, thank you, I'm not like this sinner over here. Well, what's wrong with that? I mean, he, he wasn't a tax collector. He didn't steal money from people. How, how would you guys answer that? Like, That's pride again. Because he came out like a rose in his own eyes. <laughs> yeah. He 
Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. He he had he had this unwarranted view of himself. He did not recognize that he just as much as that tax collector was a was a sinner in need of mercy, in need of God's grace, in need of forgiveness. Yeah. And so which of these men would have an easier time forgiving others and why? Low hanging fruit question. Who wants to answer it? The one who is forgiven much. Yeah, so that would be Yeah. Yeah, right. He's literally I I mean I love the description. He where is it? Yeah, he's he beats his breast saying God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And and my main point here is that if that is your posture, insofar as that is your posture towards God day in and day out, you are going to have a much easier time forgiving others. So that's that's what I want us to get here. And so true forgiveness requires humility. And when when we think to ourselves, I cannot believe they did that, I mean, I, I've had that thought, of course, when I'm when I'm hurt. But even that thought is basically putting ourselves above them. That thought is revealing our self righteousness. So, if you see yourself as categorically different from the person who hurt you, and believe that you're ultimately more righteous in and of yourself, forgiveness is going to be tough. We need to be convinced in our hearts. That if not for the grace of God, so go I. This means the only reason that you wouldn't or that you haven't done the exact same thing as them, if it's even true that you haven't, because it's probably not true most of the time. But if it's true that you haven't you know, done that specific sin or whatever in that specific way, then the only reason is because... Of God's grace in your life. You you are not you don't have the true moral high ground in and of yourself. So moving on, uh, just real quick, uh, a few more things of a few more practical uh, pointers for walking in forgiveness is pray for each situation individually. Um, you know, I, I think it's it's a helpful example of how to pray on your notes. Um, number four. Thank the Lord and recognize how he is using the difficult situation to conform you to the image of his son. Uh, Life, this side of heaven, is not about somehow escaping all people who rub you the wrong way. That is is not a Christian way to think. Um, And in the body of Christ, we are brought to covenant with people who will hurt us and will rub us the wrong way. Um, if if uh, Will hurts my feelings, I shouldn't just go up and join another church. Uh, that's not not saying that it's that you can never leave a church, but um, but yeah, we are called to bear with one another um, and recognize that even in the difficulties of living in relationship with fellow sinners, uh, God is at work. He's conforming us to the image of Christ. He's hopefully humbling us and reminding us that. Uh, we're sinning against people too. Um, then finally, this is really helpful for me. 
But number five, when bitter thoughts and hostile feelings return, make it a habit of immediately trying to pray for the people who hurt you. When, yeah, when I can do this, when I can turn my thoughts into them into prayers for their well-being and their spiritual good, I, I, I find my heart softening towards them. It, it's really, really helpful. I, I encourage you to try to do that. And, um, and also, another thing that I've found is it's really important to also try to, as Diane already mentioned, try to do good to them as you can. And even if that's only praying for them when they come to mind, that's still great. But I've also found that um, it's so important that we, of course, remain open to future reconciliation. We should want that. Um, but also, if, if it's possible, I think it's good. And it's not always possible in some you know, situations. But if it's possible, like even just being around the person who's hurt you in a social setting, you know, if you can't stomach getting coffee with them, like being around them, that has a really humanizing effect. That can be used by God to help, help like soften our hearts and help us be like, oh yeah, they're just a, you know, just a, a fellow sinner and sufferer just like me. Um, so I think that's also a really helpful thing when you're struggling with unforgiveness. If, if possible, try to be around them, even if it's just like a group setting or something. Um, we are about out of time. I, yeah, I just want to finally encourage you guys, you know, per Matthew 5, 23 through 24, uh, which says, So if you're offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. So I, I just want to, you know, because we're talking about forgiveness, I would be remiss to not just encourage us to go and initiate whatever conversations we may need to. It could be you need to ask someone for forgiveness. Um, I'm actually going to reach out to a high school friend. Uh, I've, I've kind of already apologized to her a couple times, but I want to actually, like, it, it was in, like, message. Like, it wasn't, like, face-to-face. It wasn't even over the phone. So I'm going to ask for her number and see if I can... Uh, I don't know if she'll be willing to um, talk to me, but if she is, I want to apologize more thoroughly. So anyway, you know, think of conversations. Maybe you need to ask for forgiveness. Maybe you need to lovingly and humbly confront someone. Maybe you need to pursue reconciliation. But whatever it is, let us be in awe of the forgiveness we have received in Christ. And out of that, walk in forgiveness toward others. Does anyone have any, who, who wants to have the final word? Any, any final thoughts? Before I can... Yes, Amber. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, in terms of not forgiving, sorry, Christ. Um, in terms of, of someone who's struggling as a Christian to not forgive, would you encourage them to not partake in opinion? And so, mm. like, what is that? Okay, I, Des, you can jump in if you want. I mean, because my quick answer would be, I think that, like, again, there's a big difference between refusing to forgive someone and struggling to forgive. If you are, like, struggling to forgive, you want to forgive, if you're like, God, I forgive them, but help my unforgiveness, then, yeah, I would say the Lord's Supper is for you because you need God's grace. You're asking for God's grace. You need that spiritual strengthening. Um... But, of course, if you were saying, I refuse to forgive, I will not forgive that person, then 
Yeah, I think it would be a bad idea to take the Lord's Supper. Des, would you, uh, you, it's okay if you disagree with me, but uh, what, <laughs> your, your opinion is more important than mine, so what would you say? No, I, I do agree with you. Okay. Um, that's the thing about the, the Lord's Supper is a communal meal, so it's saying something about our union together. When someone is barred from the table, um, it's sort of a, 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 a bitter excommunication, in a sense. So there, it's, it's saying that the disposition of my heart is, it looks like an unbeliever in my unwillingness to forgive. Um, but there is a difference, like you said, between struggling to forgive and refusing to forgive. If someone is struggling to forgive, I would say, must come to the table yeah. because yeah. grace is given to you at the Lord's table to war against those things that wave their fists at Christ and His grace. But if you are refusing to uh, forgive, then the disposition of your heart doesn't look like that of a believer, but not a So you should remain. Mm. But I, I do agree. Yeah. yeah, sweet. That was a great question, Amber. Thank you. All right, we're out of time. Let me close us in prayer. Father, thank you so much for this time. Um, we praise you that we get to come together um, as, we, as we head into the service. And please, would you help us forgive as we have been forgiven in Christ. Pray this in his name. Amen. Thank you, guys.